Hello and welcome to Scopy Radio. My name is Daniel Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. And today we are joined by Lauren Cornell of Think Unique Jewelry. Hi guys, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here with this adorable cat on my lap. Yay! <laughs> yeah, for those worried, Moody is in lap. <laughs> I want to do quick Daniel's weather corner, but I'm realizing we're entering at the point in Chicago weather where it's not as interesting. Like, it hasn't been changing. Yeah, no, it's just pretty consistently 45 degrees. Yeah, so this is probably accurate. Yeah, it's 45 degrees. 45 degrees. Um, it's nice to be outside. I've <laughs> is, been... Is the enjoying outside like i i you know are you um are you a winter person or a summer person um so i'm a fall person that's definitely my season that's my birth season um definitely where i feel most comfortable but i like love going for walks every day in the crisp air smelling all the like leaves and rain smells i love that Mm -hmm. it's definitely kind of where I'm most comfortable. Do you so? Do you get that thing like midwinter where you're like, this has been going too long, or do you do you like the? Because I feel like you can the the appreciation of that middle cold weather. Like there's a lean. You know what I mean? Like there's a like the warmer side of it versus the like. Because for me, I know that one thing I enjoy about summer is knowing that fall is coming after it. Like, when spring moves into summer, I'm like, okay, it's going to be really... Because I'm not a hot weather person, Mm -hmm. but when summer comes, it's like, okay, it's going to be really hot, but fall is soon. (laughs) Yeah, the whole winter is soon is not not the most exciting feeling for me. It's like, oh, it's going to be really cold, but that Mm -hmm. also means lots of cozy blankets and lots of time to get creative and things like that, so... I I typically really love winter. What's, What's getting me down is that... My job, I right now I'm at a cafe, and so I have to be there very early, and which means that I have to wake up at, you know, five twenty in the morning, mm-hmm. and it's a total bummer having to wake up when it's pitch black outside, and yeah. like leave the house when it's pitch black outside. Whereas during the summer, the sun rises at like five fifteen or something like that, and so like, you know, waking up at five twenty isn't that big a deal when it's when it's starting when the sun is starting to rise Mm -hmm. but during the winter it's a kind of a bummer to be a barista (laughs) yeah i mean that's a hard schedule i definitely feel the effects of seasonal change um i actually have these amazing thing called called happy lights in my house Mm. and they're vitamin d lights um so when when it's all dark like yesterday i was working at you know six and it was already dark in my apartment and i put on the happy lights and it's like a bright summer day in your apartment it's great you used to have those right i had one like above a desk and it was just the weirdest sensation of like you'd sit at it and you could tell like there was just some there's just something because it's like a a mineral like a vitaminal thing that happens that you're like oh yeah like i there something biologically i am benefiting from but you're also just like sitting in a corner of your apartment like yeah (laughs) it's a it's a that it's a when you get yeah. when you get when you look outside the situation, I'm sure it's strange, but I think that the benefits probably out outweigh. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I it's, remember it's life changing in ten minutes. It's really incredible. I my first winter, so I lived in Florida for like ten years, and then I moved here. I originally lived in New York, moved to Florida for ten years, moved here for five years, but I had basically like not had any winter. Um, and there's a total, like, segue into this, I promise. Like, um, <laughs> uh, I had not experienced winter very long. But, so what happened was, when I moved here, for whatever reason, I also went vegetarian right when I moved here. And so I was vitamin D, like, deficient as hell. Because mm-hmm. it was, like, winter. <laughs> it was, like, the perfect storm of, like... Also, I don't, like... People don't know that you get... When you when you eat meat, you get a lot of vitamin D from meat. Just because of, like, the sun that the animals soaked up. Yeah. Um, so it's... Think like finding other ways to get like vitamins and minerals is really fascinating to me, and like founded in just like common sense. That anyway, um, but that so that is uh like the lights thing is really fascinating to me to that end of like. But um, alternative sources of healing is kind of what we're here to talk about today. Uh, would you mind talking to us about Think Unique Jewelry? 
Yeah, absolutely. Nice, nice segue there. I like that. I segued um, the shit out of that. <laughs> yeah, you, you did. Saved it. I kind of like <laughs> let it crumble. And then, yeah. Um, but yeah, so. Uh, Speaking of, you know, emotional healing and things like that, that's definitely my primary focus right now with my work. Um, it certainly did not start out that way. I'll tell you, my my brand, uh, my business has definitely evolved from uh, a hobby to, you know, finding something with more of a purpose. Um, for me now, I've found a lot of personal healing through the use of crystals, um, herbs, incenses, my diet um just an overall kind of manifestation of my true self by using these tools mm-hmm. um and it's been a really fascinating journey i think i've learned a lot about people as a whole i've learned a lot about myself i've learned a lot about the powers of of nature um and natural things and it's been really exciting yeah so that the that's the piece that's interesting to me is just like an openness I think that's kind of where I was going to before is that like the openness to finding out what other sources benefit your experience, like existence, like finding out that like, I don't know, like finding out that burning a certain kind of wood, like, like helps clear out, like there is a degree of, of there's a reason why certain things work like to me like burning sage like it i come at it from a like even a scientific angle where like there's just something that happens in the air like 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 chemically that makes that clears out you know smells and and so to think that it could go further than that and that there are like benefits like this is like weirdest thing like i noticed that there are when i when we burn sage, I feel like there are less bugs in the apartment. Mm-hmm. I don't like, I don't know why that is, but yeah, like the, sorry, go, what were you going to say? No, you're fine. So that's uh, definitely a common uh, kind of result of burning incenses. I mean, naturally bugs are obviously adverse to smoke and things. It's an yeah. instinctual um, protection reflex. But I think the cool part about burning, you know, Palo Santo or sage or whatever it is, is you're releasing these natural oils. So similar to, you know, dabbing essential oils on your skin or using them in a bath or something to absorb them, um, they're neutralizers and their smells, particularly sage and palo santo, overpower these other negative smells and also energies. Mm-hmm. And I think they've been used, um, you know, for thousands of years, like palo santo has been used in ancient rituals in South America for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, and there's a reason for that. Like these things have an effect on people and the environment and it's been present for so long. And I think we're all kind of rediscovering that. And that's, that's pretty cool. Absolutely. Well, and I love the way you said that, like the idea of a neutralizer, because I feel like, you know, I feel like it's a very Western American mindset that when you have something, when you have a problem that you're trying to approach, and you know, and I, it's very easy to for an American mindset to jump to. Well, I gotta kill it with fire. Like I need to do something very aggressive. Mm-hmm. But the idea that like not all um, things exist on like either, like it doesn't have to be the extremes of the spectrum. Like the idea of like neutral is so, like we don't think about that enough. Like I don't know. I and I I think that that's an interesting. I think that some people, I think that there's um, kind of a discomfort with neutral because I yeah. think that I think that um, people either want things to be going really well or they notice when think when things go really badly. Mm-hmm. So I think that maybe not that maybe that there's not a discomfort with neutral, but that there's like a lack of awareness of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people are definitely hesitant to live sort of in the gray area of life. Um, they like to be very decided. And I think that's a huge part of a lot of people's identities um, is, you know, I am this thing. I am not this thing. But I think living in the neutral and understanding that um, there can be a gray area and it is OK to live in that gray area. It's very comforting, actually, because uh, it gives you the flexibility to learn about both sides of the spectrum where whether it's, you know, crystal healing or politics or, you know, how you like to dress, whatever it is, I think there's a sort of a magic in being that in between. Um, and, you know, one day maybe you're more one way and one day the other. It's it's very cool. Yeah. So what 
so I'm always fascinated with, you know, because I, I there's a you I'm always fascinated with when people know. Sorry, the cat was distracting me. When <laughs> they have found kind of the space that they want to be working in, um, making tangible, concrete decisions that make clear and kind of manifest your uh, like goals and your desires and stuff like that I always find very interesting so for you uh what what was the kind of decision making process that led you to establishing you know like your shop and and you know your brand and things like that um so that's actually kind of a funny question for me because this has been a bizarre long journey Mm -hmm. um I actually came up with a brand think unique 10 years ago um, I had an email, it was Think Unique 2009, and I remember being, you know, 16 years old and thinking, oh, I want to come up with a brand, you know, I've always been very entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. This is this thing I came up with, and then in, I didn't really know what it was, but I just knew that I wanted it to exist. And then in 2012, I decided to open an Etsy shop, uh, which I did not load anything into. <laughs> um, and I was just like, you know, I kind of want to make jewelry. This is something that I'm kind of interested in. Uh, it's right when I was starting uh, college. And then I ended up majoring in metalsmithing and jewelry design in school. Um, oh, my God, really? Yeah. So I had started out as a photography major. It's something that I'd been really interested in in high school. Um, and then I took a metalsmithing class and I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, and that's kind of when I found Did you my passion. have any idea that that would happen like before you? <laughs> oh, my God, no. I had to take a, a three-dimensional arts course and it was ceramics or metalsmithing, basically. And I was like, oh, power tools, fire, and metal. That sounds pretty cool. Let me yeah. do that. <laughs> um, and I did it. And I literally switched my major in the first two weeks of taking the course. Um, totally fell in love with it. And it's been, now that's, that's my so, thing. Well, and I, so here's a, that's always the piece that's interesting to me. Because I think it's so funny. Sometimes we latch onto things and we don't know why. Like the idea of opening an Etsy shop and then not loading items into it is very, um, like, I resonate with that for some reason. Yeah. Like, just the idea of, because I do this a lot where, and I Well, feel, you did that with Scopy. Yes. And, and I do it a lot <laughs> because I think sometimes I see a goal and then I um, want to learn about the steps that t- it takes to reach that goal. But then the steps it takes to reach that goal are scary. And so you like, you're like, okay, I'm gonna just kind of open a door and then come back a year from now when maybe I can handle this. And I, I do that a lot with a lot of different things where like I feel like I start a lot of different little projects and I try really hard to f- make sure to find the ones that I know, uh, like I know that I can one day act on or I know that do lead to an actual goal that's, because for me, I, I can balance on the like, um, to ideal idealistic side where like I'll start an Instagram for uh, a soy bo- like a piece of soy boy character that I drew and think like oh this is gonna be my vegan brand like but then it's like <laughs> no <laughs> and so that that so that my question for you is you know having that kind of forethought you know to be like okay I'm gonna when how did you know which how did you how do you know when the things that you're establishing for like future self are things that you should prioritize and act on? Um, for me, I think it's when they're constantly being revisited in my life. So I you know made this brand uh, in 2009. I then decided I wanted to open an Etsy shop because I was making jewelry as a hobby. I was like, oh, that brand that I came up with, let me use that. So that became, you know, Think Unique Jewelry instead of Think Unique. And then I had this Etsy shop and then I, you know, did college and got kind of away from it. And then metalsmithing came into my life. So I was brought back into jewelry. And then, you know, finishing my degree after college, I worked in a bunch of different kind of corporate jobs, tried the restaurant industry. Um, wasn't really finding satisfaction and then in my free time I started making jewelry again so all throughout my life over the past 10 years I keep getting pulled back into this thing and I don't necessarily think that I knew it was going to be my thing at any of those points in time until now Um, 
But for me, the universe kind of telling me, hey, remember this thing that you did a couple years ago that you really loved? Let's get back into that. For me, that's very much a sign that, you know, maybe you should pursue this. Maybe you should go full-fledged into this and see what can happen. And that's kind of the adventure or the journey of, you know, life or starting a new business or a new project. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But when you're pulled back into it repetitively, I think you have to give it the space to be what it can be. But were there, like, um, do you remember any of the, like, fears to that end? Or was it pretty, like, when you kind of realized that you realized it? Oh, totally, totally fierce. Um, I mean, I left my comfortable corporate job um, this month, and I was like, I'm going to be a jeweler full time. That was terrifying. Like, (laughs) that was certainly not a, you know, a super comforting thing, but I felt that that's what I needed to do. So mm-hmm. I was like, you know, the fear is a part of it. Let it happen. Well, and I, there's a, um, I think there's a myth that, you know, these kind of spaces, you know, I think Etsy shops are, are a similar thing that they are not labor intensive, you know, but the idea that like, cause that the, so I, a, another kind of example for a while, my mom sold uh, on eBay for a very long time. And, like, made it, like, her income for, like, 20 years. Wow. But it's it's a similar thing where when you say the, the balance of... Here's where I'm getting at. I think some people don't recognize um, that the the balance that you're weighing in a decision like that of leaving a corporate job to, to make jewelry full-time is not like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to work. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think it's fascinating that like looking at that balance and going like because exactly you know from experience in college that making jewelry and metal smithing is intensive work hours and hours and i think that where i'm getting at is i think that there's a myth that following your dreams doesn't involve daily work every hour of the day absolutely i and i got that from a lot of people too you know oh are you gonna get a job while you do this on the side or whatever and i'm like you have to put 150% of yourself into this to get it to work. Like I'm Mm -hmm. waking up in the morning, working all day. Um, You know, my boyfriend will come home, we'll hang out, have dinner, and then I'm working again. And sometimes I'll stay up till two o'clock in the morning. And it's not just um, making jewelry, but it's making jewelry, photographing the jewelry, marketing, going over to event spaces, trying to get signed up for their markets. Uh, networking, researching different, you know, mm-hmm. inspirational things, researching different spaces, researching, you know, SEO on Etsy, which is a whole nother thing that I'm trying to figure out. And the, all these platforms do them differently. That's the other yes. piece, too, is that you can learn Instagram, right? Like, you can learn how to get a hashtag, like, how to play hashtags on Instagram. Does not translate. Like, and it's it's so, yeah, no. Um, uh I cut you off. I'm sorry. No, you're totally fine. And I've I've certainly figured out Instagram, but Etsy is a whole nother a whole nother ball game. But um, getting there, and it's again with everything, it's a journey. I'm mm-hmm. learning a lot, and some of the things I've learned, I'll apply to my next digital space, and some of them will be completely irrelevant. You know, who knows? Mm-hmm. So um, I do want to talk about kind of like the wild west of Etsy, just because I know that. I think that there is that misconception of, um, I think there is that misconception of like, oh, whatever, I'll just make an Etsy shop and it'll be low maintenance and blah, blah, blah. But it is so hard to get noticed on that platform. Mm -hmm. Can you speak to like, like what have you found to be successful in using Etsy as a platform? Because I don't don't think that we've really talked to someone who, who sells on Etsy before. Um, yeah, so I was definitely in the, oh, let me open an Etsy shop and it'll be so easy. Yeah. That was me in 2012. <laughs> Learned a lot since then. Um, it's it's very labor intensive. So for me, I think the things that have helped me most are, you know, social media advertising, linking everything to everything, uh, making sure that you have a constant loop of all of your, uh, your platforms, making sure that you're present on Etsy. Um, I've actually joined a lot of groups. Um, via Facebook, Instagram, um, other social media platforms for development. I've met a lot of really wonderful shop owners and, you know, some of us are collaborating now. Um, 
And I think building that community and becoming a part of that community is how you can thrive in Etsy because you need, you know, like they say, when someone has a child, it takes a village. It really Mm -hmm. does take a village to start this shop, which is essentially like your baby. This is your thing that you're taking care of. You're letting it grow. You're letting it thrive. You're putting all this work into it. Sometimes it's a huge pain in the ass. Sometimes it goes really well. Um, But I think utilizing, you know, different marketing tools, Instagram is huge for me because it's visual, social, uh, global, like everything like that's really cool. Um, But yeah, Etsy is a crazy, crazy, wonderful thing. And I'm so glad that it exists. I don't know if this would be possible without it. Well, and I I love platforms like that, that um, immediately after you've spent some time with them, make you realize that it's not just about reach. You know, like reach is a, someone posted something recently about how they were like, should I make my own personal website? Because um, like, will that help me with my reach? And it's like, it's not, it's not that simple, right? Like you have, if you have an audience, like the infrastructure that you have set up, like you have to make sure that like an audience has a place that they can buy what you're selling, you know, mm-hmm. or and it doesn't have to be in those specific capitalist terms. Right. But like a way to support what you're doing, like a, a, a place that they can learn more, a place that you can kind of design your own aesthetic around like that. Um, that's something that is I, I think when people are like, I'm going to start my own thing you know, they, however they get into it, like, the idea of, you know, like, if you're on Instagram, it's, like, followers first, like, get your numbers up, but it's, like, that's not, like, you can have a certain number of followers on Instagram, but that doesn't always translate to that number of people that actually support what you're doing. Right. Yeah, like, how does that, and and you don't have to get too into the weeds of it, but, like, does that, I because I, the thing I, I would find interesting about your work especially is that so let me relate it to to what we're about. So the thing that I find interesting is that because we um, cover things that people are actually interested in, there's more, there's a higher turnover for like call to action, basically. And um, that to me is interesting. Like, and I, I find that a lot of, because we talk to a lot of different niche people and it seems like once you kind of find where that audience is, like from my understanding, there is a really strong niche market for this on Instagram Mm -hmm. but that that like how does that kind of like is there just like like that community do you think there's just more like there's a degree of once you kind of have that trust and people know that you're coming from a good place like do you you get what I'm I'm asking here like kind of um I think I think to get the translation of social media followers, whether it's Instagram or Facebook, into, you know, customers or loyal people like that. Is that kind of the direction kind you're of, going yeah. in? Um, so I think the tricky part about Etsy is you can't just put up an Etsy shop and expect people to buy things because they don't know you. They don't know what you're about. They don't understand your brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the cool part about using these other tools to build a community is people really get to know you because you're not just posting, hey, you know, this pair of earrings are for sale. I'm posting hey, look at me, this is what I'm doing. This is my workspace behind the scenes. This is my cat, you know, trying to help, but actually just knocking all my stuff off the table. Like, here's, you know, something that I'm really passionate about. Here's, you know, just a positive photo to help brighten your day. Like, it's more than just, here's my product, buy it. It's, I'm a person, connect with me. And then if you connect with me, I would love if you would also support my business. Exactly, because there are tons of these that are beautiful photos, hundreds of followers on Instagram because they love seeing it, but they don't probably have the same degree of, you know, financial or otherwise support. Like, like just that feeling of... You know who strikes that balance really well? Who is, like, a really good example of, like, balancing what, like, the values that the individual holds with, you know, also selling their wares is... Um, there's this baker that we've had on the podcast. Her name is Heather. Uh, her business is called Pie Pie My Darling, and she makes vegan cakes, vegan pies. She's a vegan baker. Yum. And she is Instagram famous. She has, I think, like 50,000 followers on Instagram. I feel like it's probably more than that. It's I Last I looked, it was 45. Okay. But anyway, so at least 50. <laughs> but her whole thing is she's very transparent about her struggle with mental illness. And so her Instagram story 
and Instagram posts, like, she'll post pictures of whatever she's baking. And, like, she does wholesale with a bunch of restaurants. And, but over that, the overlay is, like, I'm having a really hard time right now. Is this something that you can relate to? Here's what I've found works for me. And, but also, like, in the background, like, these beautiful cakes that are for sale. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, um, and if it if it weren't so authentic to what she is about, like I would call it brilliant, but I think that there's just no other way that she can be. And yeah. I think that finding like, you know, being like, this is just who I am. Like, I yes, I'm making this beautiful jewelry, but like a lot of the times my cat knocks it off the table. And <laughs> like just like finding a way to be authentically yourself while also being like also, this is for sale. Yeah. <laughs> it's like such a hard balance to find. Yeah, I definitely, definitely feel that. I've tried to get a little bit more personal on some of my pages for that reason. I think people really connect with you when you are your authentic self. Um, I've been processing a lot of things that I've gone through in my life, many of them not so great. Um, so I'm starting to get to a place where I'm a little bit more comfortable talking about those types of things. But I do think for me right now, I'm in the stage of my journey where this jewelry is helping me overcome a lot of my past uh, traumas and situations that I've been through. And I think that if I can help even one other person find positivity in their life, um, whether it's by wearing their jewelry or messaging me on Instagram and saying, you know, hey, I saw that post that you said you weren't having a great day. Me too. And I'm like, you know what? I'm sending you hugs, you know, something like that. I think being yourself, like you said, um, with that awesome baker, uh, is so important to connect to people and being vulnerable. Yeah. Um, so many, you know, companies, you think huge companies like, you know, Target or Walmart or whatever, there, there's no real person behind that company at all. There's no, like, Beth Target or something. Yeah, no, there's no... <laughs> The human aspect is missing and the vulnerability is missing, which is why I think there's this movement for people to connect with makers. Uh, like mm -hmm. people want that handmade, authentic part of, you know, purchasing interactions or just living in general. It is a total movement. You know, I think a lot about um, like streaming culture is really big right now. Like people love that because um, a lot of these platforms and it's it's so funny because like 10 years ago we were complaining about watching advertisements, right? Mm -hmm. But like now it's such a common thing of, oh, I can't uh, I can't afford a membership to your stream, but I will watch the advertisements for you. And it's like, that's such a like weird, like we want, like there is a degree of, in the advent of the internet, like being a decade into it, there's a, we like come to a point where we want to find these ways to, support like even if it's some like it's just that's it's fascinating to me that that uh I, I like don't really know how to entirely put into words what is going on mentally there do you know what I mean like I think that people I think that youtubers and creators and on and people who can who make their living online I think that recently there's been increased transparency of what goes into that I mm -hmm. think that, um I think that people who absorb that content and who you know buy products that are that are marketed online who like it's through online marketplaces i think that people who don't create but do consume those products and that content i think that there's more awareness of what goes into it and so there's increased willingness to like accept the rigmarole mm -hmm. Does that res does that resonate with you? Like, are you finding that, like, in your interactions with people online, like, are you, because um, I, I feel like um, even five years ago, if someone were to be like, oh, I have to, like, charge shipping, there would be pushback. Mm -hmm. But, like, now I feel like there's people, I, f I feel like there's increased acceptance of, like, oh, if I don't pay shipping, you have to pay shipping, and that sucks. Mm -hmm. Right. I think the understanding has definitely increased. I think because people are trying to you know save the creative world basically yeah. um like we've realized that you know companies like amazon and all these huge corporations are the forefront of our like consumption mm -hmm. um and we're realizing that if we don't take a few steps back and start to support these you know one man one woman businesses like we're gonna lose them because they can't stand up by themselves they need the community and i think 
that people are becoming more lenient, kind of like you said, with what they'll tolerate for that. Um, Like, yes, you can get two-day free shipping from Amazon, but you can get a beautiful handmade, you know, piece of jewelry or a piece of clothing or a candle or something like that from Etsy. Maybe it comes in four days and maybe you have to pay, you know, $3 in shipping, but first of all, all that money is going to that maker, which is amazing. You're supporting people's families, you know, their bills, their kids, you know, dance classes, whatever it is, it's all going to that one person. And you know that. Um, And I think people are willing to make that sacrifice because we're becoming a more of a human culture. Like people really care about other people. And that's so important. And I think taking those little, you know, risks or things that we may not usually want to do, like we're willing to do that for our fellow humans. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to uh, jump a little bit. So I, my curiosity for you is, um, you know, I think a lot about, especially in the artistic field, especially for makers, it's weird to have to struggle with fitting things, what can feel like fitting <laughs> things into a box. Um, and especially in a way, you know, I, I'm thinking now of you, you have this event coming up and you have you run a shop like the idea of itemizing the wor- the work that you're doing is an interesting one to me. And so I'm I'm curious, like, what's the process when you're sitting down with, you know, like, you know, I'm, this this uh, material is really speaking to me in this direction. Like, I want to incorporate that in some way. Like, how does that work for you? Um, so I have a very natural process. Um, I'm not a a pre-planner. Um, like a lot of jewelers and even in my metalsmithing classes in college, they're like, all right, sketch out your piece, refine your sketch, then make an exact replica out of metal. I'm not that person. Um, so for me, it comes very, it's very organic. Um, so let's say, you know, just this morning, I found these gorgeous tiger's eye uh, carved stones. They're, they look like donuts basically. Um, but I thought they were absolutely stunning and they're reflective and I wanted them to really shine, um, quite literally, um, by themselves. And a lot of times I'm putting, you know, all this clay work on top of my pieces or a lot of, you know, different metal work. Um, and I think recognizing what you want out of that piece is so important. So for these, I wanted them to shine on themselves. I wanted someone to get the benefits of Tiger's Eye, which is a very powerful stone. Um, so I put them on a simple, you know, gold loop as earrings where they're closest to your face, which is the most, um, you know, interacted with part of a human. That's what you're looking at when you're talking to someone. Um, so I think figuring out how the piece is going to be worn and how it's going to be interacted with in the wearer's life is very important to me. Um, And that's kind of how I find my inspiration and how I figure out how I'm going to create something. It's what interactions is that person going to have wearing this jewelry and how will that benefit them in a positive way? So what are the benefits of, for example, tiger's eye? And then kind of like, generally speaking, how has how have like working with crystals and and um learning more about the benefits of them how has that benefited your life yeah um so tiger's eye in particular is a stone known for bringing uh courage and protection to its wearer so common for someone going on a adventure uh for example i made a piece for one of my dear friends he was going to australia um, for six months. So I made in this tiger's eye piece as a, you know, protection, good luck, you're going to be okay kind of thing. Um, for me, my power stone is yellow citrine. It's the one I'm wearing right now. Um, and that's a stone of creativity, um, decision making and personal power. So those three things are essential to running your own creative business. <laughs> um, and I've been wearing this piece for probably five years um almost daily wow and i don't think i think a lot of people that are you know non-believers in the metaphysical are like oh i can't just pick up a rock and it's gonna give me you know prosperity or luck or whatever it is and i think that's a common misconception i think the amazing thing about crystals as is with any other natural material is they are tools to manifest the powers that you have internally 
Um, like a big thing of my brand is manifest your dreams. Um, that's kind of what I believe that crystals or, you know, things like Palo Santo or even, you know, copper and wood materials can do for your life. I think like this stone for me has really helped me uncover my personal power. It helps me unleash my creativity. It's a personal reminder every day. You know, I'm feeling the physical weight of it on my body. It's a reminder as I'm, you know, walking around and I just think about it all the time. I'll find myself holding it without realizing it. Um, and I think it's it's frankly magical. Like the fact that this natural material holds all these powers and has for thousands of years and now, you know, it's still doing the same thing for me in a different, you know, digital world. It's, it's pretty incredible. So are there ways that people can so when you say that it's your power stone um is that something that you like you decided for yourself like these are these are the virtues that i want amplified in my life so i'm going to i'm going to wear this on my body is that is that or are there like prescribed like for certain types of people like i know daniel you you were talking at one point about how like because you're sagittarius amethyst well i so i just like i i'm definitely in no way for i think amethyst is really beautiful and i i think the color is really nice and i the i know for me and there totally could be like more to this than this but for me what i get out of is because i it calms me that color palette Mm -hmm. and like i know that my personality is predispositioned to like overdoing you know uh intensity so like the idea of and and i looked at that through like oh i wonder what the sagittarius like birthstone is and then it was like amethyst because it calms you and i was like oh that speaks to me not just because so i get a lot out of that but I know that I've set up, basically what I'm saying is I've set up a ton of mental constructs, and now that I've set up a ton of mental constructs, it is comforting to me for that reason. Um, but, I, you know, the the that's just me personally. The piece that I find, I do also find interesting is, like, how to best do research on what the cultural significance of stones are, um, or even... You know, because I know that there is also a degree of like certain stones giving off certain mineral qualities that also kind of work on this. Like the basically what we're what we're saying is is like the what are the kind of like factors at play when you're thinking about like the uh, the background behind certain stones or materials. Um, so I think that's kind of. It's a very personal thing. So kind of like you said, you identify with amethyst because it's, first of all, an appealing color palette to you. That's a perfectly fine reason to like a stone. You like a stone because you go into a store or you're out in nature and one stands out to you and you pick it up. That's a fine reason to like a stone. You are a Sagittarius or like myself, I'm a Virgo, and you do research on what stones are identified with those signs. um, And that's why you identify with something. I think all of these reasons are perfectly fine and um, really cool that you can come to these natural materials in all these different ways. Um, And then from there, whatever power you put into it is the power you're able to take out of it. Like if you want it to be your, you know, I use the phrase power stone. If you want, you know, amethyst to be your power stone because you love the color, because it's your sign, whatever, that's your reasoning. For me, the historical properties of citrine are something that I really value. Um, also physically, I'm very drawn to citrine whenever it's anywhere. It's the first one I go towards. Um, so I think all these different reasons are, are very cool. Just why, you know, different people are different, interested in different types of music, you know, Mm -hmm. for example, for different reasons. Some people are very into, you know, pieces with saxophone. Some people are very vocal focused. Some people like album art, um, And whatever it is, these three different people could come to the same band for three different reasons. And that's kind of how it is with crystals. Like, whatever is important to you and whatever values you instill in yourself and your life can draw you to these natural materials and then draw that power back out from them. 
So if someone were were to get in contact with with you and say, you know, I love I love the pieces that you're making, um, <clears throat> and I I know the benefits of crystal healing. I'm I'm looking for a piece for myself, and these are the benefits I'm looking to get out of this piece. Is that like? your ideal situation where you can then recommend a stone or do you prefer like when people like know exactly what they're looking for or like are there virtues to both i definitely think both um as we kind of talked about earlier i think the journey is very important and some people are at a different stage of their you know metaphysical or you know connection with earth those types of journeys and if someone were to come to me like many of my friends have and say, hey, I'm looking for something to bring unconditional love into my life. I'm looking for something that will help me, you know, with self-confidence. I would be like, hey, you know, let's talk about rose quartz. Let me show you what it looks like. Let's see if this is something that aesthetically you're into as well, because that's obviously important with things that you're wearing. Um, or if someone comes to me and says, you know, I have this piece of whatever it is um obsidian and this is my birthstone and i identify with it because it makes me feel my personal strength and whatever it is i would love a piece that i could wear so i can bring it with me every day that's awesome too like whatever it is whatever draws you to these pieces and whatever makes you want them so close to you that you have to have them on your body is fascinating to me and that's why i do custom work because the fact that i could manifest someone's dreams for them and help them with that is a really beautiful process and I don't think a lot of people get to do that and I'm very blessed to be able to do that for people um and it's just I love that part of what I do are you recommended Steven Universe very often I so I was just gonna ask about <laughs> Steven Universe I'm I, so sorry do you know that show so I've heard of it. I don't um, I watch. Say, I was like, I'll, I wonder if she's watched Steven Universe. And I was like, I wonder if a lot of people ask her if she's watched Steven Universe. <laughs> it's really lovely. Well, because the, the reason that it popped into my mind, as I'm sure Rose it did. You, Rose Quartz, yeah. So that you mentioned that it's like unconditional love and like uh, it was unconditional love and one other thing. Um, unconditional love and bringing um, like support and positivity to yourself. Yeah. Okay. So the character of Rose Quartz absolutely embodies those characteristics. It's fascinating. The it's so it's fascinating to me what things have been ingrained into culture outside of the dominant culture. Does that make sense? Like, I don't mean dominant to say like the the right. I just mean that like you know what I mean. Like when you think of that's the idea of the alternative is very fascinating to me because like it it inherently implies that. But the the fact that these things that are quote unquote alternative are so prevalent, like like it it manif like it manifests in so many ways. Like the you know like there are other I I. Like, there are tons of reasons how, or ways and examples of how Rose Quartz manifests in those ways. Like, ways that we don't even know about. And, that you know, that I think is, I just find that so fascinating. And, like, exploring that is so valuable to me. And I, I yeah, I don't know. I don't have a question. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this happens. That's, that's real. Uh, no, this always I, happens when I'm, we're talking about something I'm actually interested in. I'm like. That's a good sign, then. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, so I'm wondering um, to unfortunately depart from Steven Universe. So um, I, I'm interested now that you've left your job and are doing this full time, like what has that enabled you to be to be able to do? Um, everything that I'm doing, <laughs> everything. Um, I think my mental headspace is much clearer, much more focused. Um, you know, I'm not weighed down with a lot of the stresses of, am I in the right job? Do I need to be doing this? Am I following my passion? Things like that, that have been weighing on me for a few years. Um, but also time, like we talked about before this, you know, starting your own small business is no small feat. This is a lot of work, more work than I ever certainly realized. And I think most people don't realize. Um, but it's also just kind of unleashed this like freedom within me. Like I've never felt more true to myself than I have in this current moment. 
Um, I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I feel like I'm connecting with myself and with other people on the level that I've always wanted to. Um, and I feel like by not working in these jobs that, you know, a lot of people feel obligated or even comfortable to work in, which is, you know, to each their own, um, I'm able to be in my space and find other creatives in my space. Um, like I would never be on this podcast probably if I hadn't, you know, started this jewelry and left my job because no one probably wants to hear about sales for an hour, but, (laughs) (laughs) um, all these things are, you know, really enabling me to go full on into this. And I wouldn't be able to do that if I had something else going on like 40 hours a week. Yeah. I want to ask about, we have a few minutes left before we have a few minutes left. I want to ask about in this kind of work, uh, specifically what event prep looks like. You know, you have an event coming up that you're doing. Um, what do, what does that process look like of being like, I want to do this event or being asked to do this event or however that looks. And then how do you prepare for it? Yeah. So finding events, um, or being asked to be a part of them or asking to be a part of them is an interesting process that I'm certainly still discovering. Um, I found this local AF event that I'm participating in, um, through one of my favorite local jewelers, Nomadic Ant, um, who I've been following for a few years now. Um, and they sent me an email cause I subscribed to their emails, um, about Esquina, which is this beautiful space that they have um, that they do DIY theater events, they do art shows, they do uh, music performances. And they said, hey, we're opening our first artist market, open applications. So I applied, luckily got accepted. I'm going to do a few of these throughout the year. Um, And from there, really digging in and researching, you know, on Etsy local or on Facebook events or just talking to people, hey, what are some other markets you like to go to? What, Mm -hmm. you know, what are some places that might be cool to put on a market? Things like that. So I'm also going to be participating in the handmade market throughout the year, which is at the Empty Bottle. Um, So that'll be another event that I just found through research. Um, But the preparation is a lot. Um, I this is going to be my first ever in-person event. So it's everything from, you know, getting packaging. I had my logo designed by uh, my dear friend Daniel, who's incredibly talented. Um, and, you know, getting stamps, stamping all my packaging, finding, you know, displays, working with some other, uh, small businesses to laser cut some displays for me. Um, I'm very into supporting other small businesses while I run my small business. So rather than, you know, finding something on Amazon, I'd much rather go on Etsy and find someone that's willing to work with me to, you know, help manifest my vision. Um, but it's been hours and hours and hours and hours of, you know, stamping, packaging, editing, pricing, building in digital inventory, which is a lot of work, like all this kind of stuff. It's a lot of preparation. Wow. Well, and it seems like a lot of this work that you've done for, I, I, I guess we're asking you this question at, at, at an interesting point in your jewelry making career, because this is your first one. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm excited for this process to become a little bit easier as now that you have more of an infrastructure for it, like you have the displays, you have the logo, you have, you know, you have the stamp and stuff like that. Like, like just, I, I don't know. I, I just like hope that this event goes well. Thank you. Cool. Well, um, we have a few minutes left. So the last thing we do with all of our guests is a one minute plug for my hip just started hurting for anything that I haven't come in. <laughs> One minute plug for his hip. <laughs> it just—it was really sharp, and I was like, "Oh, I gotta say something." All right, anyway, um, for anything they have upcoming, sometimes it's very obvious, like letting people know where they can find your work or any upcoming events that you're working with, um, or uh, any um, folks that you want to shout out that are also doing dope work, or any media that you're consuming, uh, self care or otherwise. Awesome. Um, so I would love for anyone who's interested to check out my website or my Instagram. It's thinkuniquejewelry.com or at thinkuniquejewelry on Instagram and Facebook. Um, there you can check out my work. I will also be at the Esquina Local AF Market. It's a pop-up art show, um, and that is Saturday, this Saturday, um, from 12 to 6 p.m. up in Lincoln Square off the Brown Line Western Stop. 
a uh, super cool event. There'll be eight local artists, two food vendors, some vegan tamales. Come check it out. Um, it's going to be great. Um, also, huge... Speak my language. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, huge shout out to Daniel Crespo for designing my beautiful logo. I feel like he took my business to the next level with branding. He's also amazing. Please go work with him if you need any graphic design done. Um other things, I'm also going to be at the Handmade Market at the Empty Bottle, like I mentioned, in January, February, and April. So come say hi, get a mimosa, buy some jewelry, hang out. Um, and also a huge thank you to you guys. Uh, thank you to Scopy. I love your content that you post all the time. I think you guys do an incredible job. Um talking about things that not all news outlets want to talk about um and very creative writing which i love also love your memes um (laughs) but yeah thank you guys for hosting me this has been a really fun time um and i'm excited to see where this goes nice well thank you so much (laughs) that's very nice uh thank you all so much for listening i've been daniel johansson i continue to be maureen smith if you want to keep up with what we are up to there are so many ways you can do that the first is to head over to scopymag.com that's our website we post all of our articles there as well as all of our podcast episodes um you can uh also find us on social media on facebook we have a facebook page called scopy magazine We also have a Facebook group that we love and adore called Sounding Board. We talk a lot about local arts, local politics, astrology memes, different stuff like that. We save the astrology memes for the Facebook group. So (laughs) that's we we have specific niche things that we only put in the Facebook group. And we we come for Scorpios. We we get after Scorpios. I'm trying to understand them because like it's the season, you know. I I really just so mysterious. The thing is, they're just like. Such soft underbellies, like you gotta. I, for me, I I want to know, you know, like I want to know what's what are you worried about, you know? I'm very intense and probing. Like I just and the whole like, I just don't get them. I can't. So secretive. So secretive. Anyway, anyway. Um. So yeah, Facebook group. Uh, you also can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr under Scopy Mag, spelled the same way as the website. That's S-C-A-P-I-M-A-G. Otherwise, you can find the podcast, the one that you are listening to right now. Most podcast places, including Google Play, iTunes Podcasts, and Radio Public under Scopy Radio. And I'm here, as always, to talk about the importance of subscribing. If you head to our website, scopymag.com, and go to our subscribe page, there are a couple ways that you can do that. The first is to sign up for email blasts. This is huge because even though we post across social media platforms, Facebook buries our content. So if you want to see 100% of what we're doing and not just 30% of it, you should sign up for those email blasts. The second thing you can do is you can become a member. For as little as $5 a month, you can help us keep our lights on and pay our artists. Uh, If you're in a position to do so, there are some cool incentives associated with membership, so check that out. Also, if you are a business, an entity, or just have something fun to say and want to advertise with us, please feel free to reach out to us at scopymag at gmail.com. So, give a little, give a lot, and if you can't give, then listen, participate, and share. Cool. Thanks again so much for listening. Go out and make something. Yep.